Hey, Gamecock fans, it's J.C. Sherbert here. Uh, just wanted to give you a quick note uh, before this episode drops of Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, Dylan Lonegren, we, we discussed him, had some questions in the mailbag about Bama and Arch Manning and how did that affect him. They were, they were older questions, but I recorded this today uh, before the crystal ball dropped from Steve Wilfong, myself, and Hale McGranahan of Dylan Lonegren to Bama. Uh, so just wanted to clarify that news has changed. Uh, lots of inside scoop on it on the bigspur.com. Basically, you know, it, it was a situation where I think, uh, honestly, he made probably the best choice for himself. Uh, and the South Carolina staff is, is really happy with Dante Reno. He'll probably reclassify and then uh, on to Jalen Bradford in the 2024 class. All right, time to hear from Heritage Digital and then a great episode of Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Welcome in to the Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert on July 7th. Good to be with you today. Bag-to-bag uh, -bag days, how about it? But I promised you uh, a mailbag-focused episode. we got a lot to catch up with on the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Uh, that'll probably be kind of the, the focus today. Figured it'd be better to break that up over two episodes, give you guys some meat on the bone, uh, so to speak, as we uh, continue to go. Thanks to Heritage, Heritage Digital. Uh, as always, please give Matt a call if you're having IT problems. I uh, want to thank him and, and their sponsorship. Uh, by the way, I got a meeting uh, later today about moving to the daily episode format. Very excited about that. Already working on some stuff. Uh, got some uh, pretty good deal. Uh, we're going to work out with some T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> kind of with a, a, a slogan on it and uh, that... that um, we're going to sell as part of the podcast, but also uh, give a piece of the proceeds to uh, Carolina Rise. Uh, of course, Carolina Rise is the NRL collective that I have. We got some more gear coming with Carolina Rise. 100% uh, of that gear uh, goes into the collective. Right now, uh, just koozies up on carolinarise.com that you can buy, carolinarisememembers.com you can buy. 
uh, $10, that all goes to the collective, all that. Uh, you know, some people don't want to just join and be a member of the collective, and that's fine. We we appreciate that because, you know, some people are morally opposed to it, and uh, I get it. You know, some people, you know, kind of want more in return, but uh, if you want to help out, go to carolinarise.com. Uh, there'll be starting in the next 24 hours uh, more gear you can buy. Uh, also, we have links up to all of the players' gear, like Spencer Rattler's gear, Marshawn Lloyd's uh, gear, Uno brand is what it's called. Uh, really unique stuff. Uh, you know, Luke Doty is involved with uh, some sort of beachwear-looking thing. I mean, it, it's all there. We put it all there, uh, and we'll continue to add, you know, as we go along. So I'd encourage you to purchase that. Purchase a, um, a Inside the Gamecocks uh, podcast t-shirt uh, when it comes out. They're, they're pretty sharp, and it's got a kind of a funny slogan on it, find a damn way. So uh, for those of you that are comfortable wearing it, you know, go ahead and buy it, and um, we'll go from there. We certainly appreciate all of you listening today. All right, so we're going to kind of have a double mailbag deal uh, here in a little bit, but wanted to talk first, you know, the, this expansion stuff, and there's a lot of discussion on the bigspur.com about it that I've been involved with. Uh, and, and yeah, I've been talking to a lot of different sources and, and people in the industry uh, about what exactly is going to happen. And of course, Gamecock fans, uh, you have to be aware of it because it impacts Clemson and the ACC and they're here in the neighborhood. Uh, there's no way around it. I mean, you know, the, those are teams uh, Clemson's on the schedule every year. North Carolina, they play frequently. NC State's on the schedule coming up. Virginia Tech in 2025 in Atlanta. So you've got a lot of reasons to pay attention. You know, these schools also recruit against South Carolina. Uh, Florida State, for example. Um, and so what's going to happen with the ACC? First of all, I want to say this, you know, we have a JC and Morgan podcast with Mike Morgan and myself coming out later today where we're going to dig into it in depth. But just my two cents is, number one, the ACC is stupid. Uh, they, they panicked and made a stupid decision uh, back when they lost Maryland to the Big Ten. Uh, people were talking about Clemson and FSU going to the Big 12, all this other stuff. Uh, and those schools all signed away their lives. Um, you know, whereas all the other conferences, including the Pac-12, uh, which is probably going to disintegrate, uh, their TV contracts are up here in the next two or three years, SEC, Big Ten, whoever. Uh, the ACC locked in their deal till 2036. Uh, and if you look at the projections for revenue, they're coming in at about half of the TV money. Uh, that uh, the SEC and Big Ten will have. Big Ten can be even higher with Southern Cal and UCLA. Yeah, so what does that mean? You know, when people talk about uh, resources and stuff like that, well, it's always been important to make money from television, uh, for facilities, hiring coaches, you support other sports with it. Um, it's a good chunk of the athletic revenue uh, every single year. And, you know, during covid you know, thank God they had the TV money and they played. You know, a lot of athletic departments would have gone under without that cash. So uh, it's always been important. Now, here's why I think it could be even more important because out of the Big Ten expansion talk, you start to hear rumblings now about revenue sharing with players. Now, 
I've always told you, I, I thought that it was, it was fundamentally bad um, and, and not workable. If indeed players unionized, became employees, uh, all that good stuff. I, I just think there's a lot of problems with certain types of unions. Uh, and you guys know I live in a, in a Chicago part of the time. It's Union City. And I've, I've seen unions up here, uh, you know, in, in, impact lives in a positive manner for, for folks that work with their hands, blue collar jobs, you know, whereas in the South, uh, you know, it's a little easier to start your, start your own business uh, and do it yourself uh, up here. You know, it's unionized and then they make good money, you know, and, and I kind of like and respect that part of it. I don't think it fits everywhere. You know, I don't think in our, our country is a big diverse country and, different philosophies about right to work and all that. Uh, and I think it's a shame that, you know, certain factions uh, of the government, uh, you know, one faction wants everything to stay as it is and not give the players anything, which I think is wrong as well. The other faction wants to be unionized and, you know, go on strike and, 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 and force, you know, certain states uh, with something they care deeply about to adhere to uh you know, employment laws and employment philosophies that don't necessarily fit with the culture, you know, and, and I think that's BS. And that's one of the reasons the federal government, you know, they, they want to solve NIL, it won't happen. So I'm against that. And, and, you know, just seeing some of the, during COVID, the absolute ridiculousness uh, coming out of some of the players in the Pac-12 or wherever where, you know, this whining about stuff, I mean, you know, make, it, it comes down to this. I think a lot of times these days, you know, what gets on my nerves is people make unrealistic demands uh, and they have very trivial reasons as to why, you know, you, you, they start talking about healthcare, you know? Um, and, and while I think that long-term healthcare is something that the sport of football in general, uh, when you make all this money and all that, uh, I, I just, I, I think there has to be a way you know, given the price of health insurance, health care and all that these days that um, you can uh, you can take care of these guys after they play for a little bit or a long time or, or have them, you know, buy in for cheap uh, with a massive group policy or something. You know, there, there's got to be some ways with the laws they can do that. But but this wasn't that this was health people wanting health care, you know, during COVID and stuff. And I'm like, college football players were completely protected and isolated. Uh, you know, when you're a scholarship player, you have access to, you know, some of the best healthcare in the country, you know? So why, why was that a crazy demand? And then they asked for 50% of the revenue. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not worth 50% of the revenue. Uh, I've said that, you know, the power in college sports uh, comes from the affinity uh, for your school, your team, often your state, uh, players cycle in and out every four years. And while we all love the players and we all want to see great players play, that's not what sells the tickets. It's the name on the front of the jersey. That, And frankly, you know, I, I think lost in all this, when you talk about players getting paid and being employees, uh, is the fact that the players benefit, too, from the platform that these colleges and universities have created over hundreds of years, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think that before NIL, what was so wrong about it was, okay, we're going to create this platform for you, 
uh, and you're going to be well known, but you're not going to get paid anything for it until afterward. Now that, that was BS. You know, the whole, you saw a final four national championship team uh, with the court case and um, Mark Emmert, who's a moron, you know, was sitting there trying to defend it. And, you know, they're writing it and, and the lawyers were like, well, how much money did they get from it? He was trying to say that, oh, companies can poison uh, players and have negative influences on players and all this other stuff. And I'm like, and they pointed to this uh, Nissan ad, <laughs> right? How, how much do you guys make off that banner at the final four that's on national TV? You have a couple million? I mean, you know, and play, you have the players stand in front of it. So NIL to me, although, and I'm not talking about the competitive part of it and the the, the, the slush funds uh, and the paying players, what they're not worth, all that. I'm talking about the ability to go out and capitalize on your name, image, likeness is what, what it should have been all about. If the NCAA were smart, they said, okay, we're going to adopt a model sim- similar to the Olympics uh, where we preserve amateurism and um, let these guys go do what they do. You know, because you're, you're, if I'm a theater major at a school on scholarship, you're not going to stop me. You know, I'm technically an amateur, but you're not going to stop me from going and doing summer stock or appearing in commercials or anything like that. Um, you know, if I'm a singer, you're not going to stop me from going, uh, let's say I'm a good singer and, and, and I have a karaoke rig. You're not going to stop me from moonlighting and, and going and doing karaoke to put myself through college. I use the example all the time of a player, a football player that had a cooking show. And I just talked about cooking. It was very popular. I think it was Penn State. And uh, all the fans loved it because it was so-and-so player. And he got on there and they watched the cooking show. And on YouTube, uh, you make very little money, but you do make some money off uh, Google ads. Uh, they told him he had to shut it down. <laughs> How does that make any sense? Um, you know, so the name image likeness thing to me in, in its true sense is, is good uh, for the sport and, and fair to the players. Now, I also think this. Uh, and what they're talking about out of Big Ten land, I kind of went around my elbow to get to my butt there, is some sort of television revenue sharing. Now, everybody goes, oh, my God. And and, and I I wrap my head around it, and uh, I think it's much, much better than classifying them as employees. You know, I, I think that's, you know, employees, unions, all that, that just gets crazy. Because then... Yeah, you have people that are, you know, lawyers, basically representatives, union people uh, at the table for TV deals and all that. And and they're going to overvalue the players and undervalue the brands. And, you know, eventually the colleges will wisen up and say, well, kick rocks. You don't have to play, you know, because the next thousand football players out there that are uh, worthy, that may go to lower level schools, are good enough to come here and play and put a good product on the field. And anybody that tells you that not, they don't know much about football. I'll tell you that right now. Anybody that thinks that the great players throughout college football are all five stars doesn't know anything about it. And believe me, I've lived in that world. Um, I know. <laughs> I know. Look at the draft. Look at the all-pro play. I mean, look at the people that got the pros and, and start and do all that. It's not all the five-star recruits that went to Ohio State and Alabama. Not even close. So, uh, with that in mind, you know, I, I, I'm anti-players unionizing. I'm anti-classifying uh, them as employees 
which opens it up. You know, if you want to give them a, 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 a like a how they pay teaching assistants at graduate school and all that, you know, put them on the payroll technically, but you know, it's understood that they're at will and all that. Cause I mean, I think it's fine, but I'll tell you this revenue sharing to me is a better idea. <laughs> it's more equitable in terms of uh, everybody getting a slice, you know, from 81 to 85. Uh, and I think that solves some of I mean, NIL is going to be here, and the guys making NIL are going to make NIL. But I think it solves some of the, you know, unevenness of NIL, I, I, I guess, because, you know, and, and again, I don't, I don't think what some of these schools are doing and making guys millionaires out of high school is going to help them win. Uh, you know, and so if you up the stakes even more and everybody's got a big pot of money, you know, then, then everybody's going to weed, you know, whoever wants it the most, and you know, everybody's going to be equal. They're, they're going to kind of, it's going to, the problem will fix itself. Um, and so I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, of, of giving them, making them millionaires right away. However, I, I think when you really think about it, guys, and you really think about name, image, and likeness, that it makes all the sense in the world to give them a cut of the television money. Because guess what? Their name, image, and likeness is being broadcast across the country <laughs> as part of a massive entertainment product. They're part of the cast. You know, you pay the director, you pay the cast, you pay the producers, you know, everybody gets a cut. And I, you know, now look, I, 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 you know, so you asked me, JC, well, what about the star players versus the, the bench warmers? They're, you know, obviously worth more than others. Yeah, I think NIL will differentiate that. And, and I think with reven, TV revenue sharing with players, and I hope this comes to pass, I really do. Um, everybody's starting out on the even keel. And I think at that point, when when you take something to Congress, or you you, you know you start talking about the law, um, or even the NCAA in court, you know if they go to court and say, "Well, we're giving everybody a share of revenue," we need a law that states, "Look, it is against the law to offer an NIL deal to a recruit." It is again, you know, and here are the here are the laws concerning it. You know, you, you get your TV money right away but you got to be in residency a year or something like that. Or maybe, maybe they say it's a rule. I mean, you know, you can probably govern NIL better if you're giving the players uh, a share of the TV revenue, which is NIL anyway, you know, that that's what it is, you know, so what's going to happen. And so, so, so what, how does that factor into, you know, and, and again, we'll talk about this on JC and Morgan later. And uh, hopefully this comes out before JC. I think it will. I listened to it before. Ooh, I'm sure Mike has some thoughts on this. But, you know, so let's say you're Clemson or an ACC school that cares about football. And not all of them do in that league. And that's the other part of it. Well, how are you supposed to compete with South Carolina and Georgia and Florida and Alabama and Ohio State and all the schools you recruit against um, when the guaranteed TV money, the share going to the players is infinitely larger uh, than what's in the ACC? 
And if you're a coach, that's scary as hell to think about, you know, because 2036, that's a long time. I hope I'm here then. <laughs> I hope I'm still sitting right here talking to you guys. But that's a long time, man. I mean, and you don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure the, you know, the sport's going to continue to thrive and it's going to continue to be a pot of money. I mean, you don't even know that, like, there won't be another TV deal after this. And so what do you do? What do you do? I mean, because that's the concern, I think, down the road. I think, you know, everybody can build facilities and pay coaches and all that. And, you know, the more money, the better, whatever. So they have this new facility, you know, whatever. If you got a good NIL program and you're an ACC, you're not worried about it. But what do you do when, you know, hey, right off the bat, and, you know, Steve Spurrier used to say those Alabama scholarships are worth a little more than ours. You know, every scholarship player gets a chunk of this big old pot of money, you know, and, and, and life-changing money. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the term generational wealth. It's been thrown around quite a bit in our country the last three years. That is a ticket, I think, for so many families to, to start to establish that. Um, and so I think it's, it's a common sense way, you know, to take care of the players uh, as they should be and to shut some of these people up that act like, you know, play football players are the most exploited people on the planet. They're not. There's some adjustments that need to be made in the sport uh, in, in the interest of fairness. But uh, I think that's the ticket. Uh, you know, you go and you know, your, your different conferences give players a, a share of the TV money, which is name, image, likeness. That's legal, you know. <laughs> I think you can do it, and you, you guarantee it for everybody. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you don't have to deal with one guy getting $9 million to walk in the door the other guy gets, uh, oh, here's a check for your books. See what I'm saying? Um. And you can trickle that down, too, uh, to other sports. I mean, basketball makes TV money. Not as much, but, but those are different sports. I'm talking about football. And so that's the concern, and I think that's why everybody's panicked. It, it, it's not necessarily, you know, just that financially you're not going to be able to keep up, you know, because there's always donors and boosters, and, and you can make up the difference. $100 million is a lot. But if you start saying – and, and again, this isn't like a rumor. It's not something that I think will definitely happen, but some of the national guys have been, you know, on Twitter or wherever talking about, well, we're hearing rumblings about revenue sharing with players from television. Uh, and the numbers have gotten that big, you know. <laughs> and so, I, I, like I said, if you're not part of one of two conferences, your rev share is not going to be, for your players, it's going to be dwarfed. Um, and, and I think it's one thing to say, well, you know, this kid that's going to this school for 8 million, you know, he's not going to work hard or, or, or whatever. And then that's going to cause team chemistry problems. Yeah. I think that's one, one, one thing to be concerned about as things stand now, but you guarantee everybody across the board, a big pot of money, you know, all of a sudden I think, you know, football players are going to gravitate towards something like that, even if a collective's trying to pay and I think you can weed the, the guys out, you know, aren't going to work by, you know, the ones that take the money, you know, uh, the, the gigantic amount of money over, you know, a good chunk of change that can establish great, you know, generational wealth for you and your family down, down the road. So, 
Um, you can buy a house. You can, you know, start a business when you get done playing. And, and I think that's fair, too, to the other – the 98% that nobody focuses on, you know, players that don't go pro that have an overwhelmingly positive experience in college football. So, with that coming, that's why people are scared, you know. People are wondering about Clemson and Notre Dame and all these other schools joining the SEC. And I, and I, I want to stress this, and then I'm going to get the mailbag because we've got some topics on this. It's not all, you know, every previous round of expansion we've had, you look at a map and you go, where is the conference not? And how many people can you bring to the table that are cable television subscribers? Uh, and then you, you act accordingly. You know, and and I have heard a lot of stuff on the side. Oh, nobody cares about Rutgers in Maryland. Well, they don't, but but it's the money they were making off the people that don't even watch sports that subscribe to cable and satellite television. Because you know, the Big Ten Network, I was told, um, if you subscribe to the the sports tier or the, the second tier, that you know, sometimes it doesn't even include sports. You have to get the extra sports channels to get the cooking networks or whatever you know, out of market, you know, in other words, a state that does not have a big 10 program and it's 10 cents a subscriber. That's I tack that on, uh, in the States with big 10 schools, it's 90. So you get nine times the cable revenue and, and look, people have been cutting cords. Streaming is coming. Uh, products are being adjusted accordingly. Uh, but I'll tell you this, um, there's still millions of cable television subscribers and there's still millions of dollars coming in off of that a lot. You know, it, it's not going completely away anytime soon. And Mike will tell you that, you know, and, and, and so that's why back then when it was all about that, you know, you saw, oh, it has to make geographic sense. You know, they, I, I think all the tradition and stuff like that, culture, all that's out the window. You know, I, I think if UCLA were a gigantic commuter school where you could, you know, sign your name to get in, and their brand and athletics was still as strong. They still be in the Big Ten. Uh, same with Southern Cal. I mean, they, they can they and those just happen to be good academic schools, along with being iconic sports brands. But, but you know, make no mistake about it. This was about the Los Angeles market. It was not about uh, oh, they, they're very they're like us, very academically inclined. Shut up, <laughs> just pipe it. You know, so. Uh, you know, and that's what happened there. So, you know, you look at it and you say, well, you know, there's an old argument. Well, why would, why would Clemson be a part of the SEC? Uh, they've already got the state of South Carolina, you know, because all over the state, there's just as many Gamecock fans as there are Tigers, probably more. You know, why would, uh, why would they want Florida State? Because you already got Florida in that state. Florida's probably got more fans than FSU and Miami. Uh, and here's why. It's because even though cable television is still driving the cart, the product of the future is going to be more about brands and a total overall package that, that you can make bank on. Okay. And I'll tell you likewise too, you know, um, Southern Cal and UCLA, yeah, if they weren't good academically, uh, but would have had the, the success on the field and the court. Yeah, they'd still be going to the Big Ten, but I'll tell you this right now. Um, even being in Los Angeles right now, 
Now, I don't know what would happen in 2011, but let's say they'd have had Rutgers and Maryland results. Let's say they were a lot like Stanford and Cal. Stanford's been good from time to time. Not so good right now, but they're not always great. Let's see, like Stanford and Cal, good academic schools located in the major TV market, not coming, not getting a seat at the table, most likely, because their brands aren't strong enough. So, so that that's where uh, these – so then you say, well, J.C., why are these good brands? I mean, they, they stand on their own. Competitively, they're, they're you know, like Texas is walking into one of the toughest situations they've ever walked into, so is Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I, I, Southern Cal and UCLA in the Big Ten, competitively, you know, you, you've got one team that's the the big daddy. Then you got Michigan and Penn State that are really good. And then you got really steady Wisconsin and Iowa, you, the steady teams. One day Nebraska will be back, maybe not. Um, so it's tough, you know, and, and but I think the Pac-12 was very competitive. So – you know, you, you look at it like that, and um, why are these schools, and this is my third and final point on this, why are these schools wanting to come change conferences right now? And the, the immediate answer is money. Well, they're making money. They're iconic brands, maybe not as much, you know, but, but why the urgency right now, you know, to, to, to move? You know, the University of Texas isn't chasing TV money. They're the Longhorn Network. You know, they're Texas. They, they, they could go independent and not, be, not need money. You know, there's just legions of people that love Longhorn football. I mean, and they'll be fine. So why? Why? You know, that's an interesting question. And my theory is, is there's going to come a day soon where just like the rumblings out of the Big Ten, and people miss this because they get caught up into like the the debate in 2011 about you know what everybody brings to the table and is there duplication and all that, uh, and, they, and they missed it. They missed this. It's because television revenue is about to be shared with players, and while now you have 50 percent of the players that don't care about NIL, no matter what they're ranked. Uh, you know, they're just coming to play. They want to go to the pros and want to work hard and develop. Um, you know, whereas now that's not a huge, you know, huge deal in all circumstances. Let's put it that way. You know, in other words, don't be scared of Tennessee's recruiting class right now. Don't be scared of that monster recruiting class on paper A&M signed last year. Not just yet. Maybe I'll be wrong. But when you're talking about guaranteed money for all, you know, that doesn't cause division in your locker room. Um, and and, and the, then, you know, everybody gets the same. So the guy that decides to take the money and not work hard, uh, you take a scholarship. You go back to those days. <laughs> you, or, or you take his revenue share. How about that? You tie that to performance and, and, and you know, because in, in, in IL, you have – the players have to give you something in return for you to pay. Something. It has to be something. Uh, and then you sign a contract. They set the standard to come to workouts and behave and stay eligible, make good grades, follow the rules, play hard, hustle, get better at your craft. Uh, otherwise, no TV money. Bye. Hit the portal. So, you know, I, 
that's why I think some of these these brands that, but you know, like Texas before this, it made no sense. But I, I think they look down the road and go, you know, and it's kind of funny too. You know, uh, all this happened last year with the University of Texas, and it's right after you know A and M gets together with massive NIL deals behind the scenes. You know, and and that rev share is coming, and. If you're in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the ACC, yours is not going to be what the Big 10 and SEC are. And I believe, you know, whereas uh, with the way it is right now, with an uneven approach to it and idiots who don't know the game are out there trying to set market value for players and, and all that, you know, you, you start a rev share program, which, again, that's name, image, likeness. They're on TV. Uh, and you cut your players in, and you've got a bigger TV deal than the others. You know that's not only smart financially for that players; it's smart exposure-wise. Networks are paying you big money for it. They're going to put you in the best slots. So they can sell the best advertising. Uh, and so I think that's why there's a there's a kind of a behind the scenes. Oh my God, going on out there. Um, so where does that leave us with who? Which schools do you think the SEC is? Well, I don't know. There's some folks that say everybody's going to stand pat for a while. And I'd believe that. Excuse me. I don't know why I got tired all of a sudden. Um, I believe that, definitely. Uh, but I also could see college football as we know it go away in the next 30 days. And this, the era of the super conference may have begun. Because, I mean, like, you want to get into one of those two super conferences because, again, it trickles down and gets back to players. You know, once the Big Ten starts sharing revenue TV-wise with players, um, and then everybody will start doing it, who's going to be able to compete other than the SEC? Nobody. As things stand today. Um, you know, so – that, that's why I think there's some fear and, and the, 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 the emphasis on brands and all that on the other end is why you can see Clemson in the SEC or the Big Ten. You can see Florida State in the SEC. You can see Virginia in the SEC, you know, because, yes, they're trying to expand on that. But when you, when you start about talking about going to two super conferences, 20 and 24 teams, you know, probably 24 is that number, which would give you a top 48 which is a nice cutoff, if you get left behind, you're relegated to another level of ball. And, and, and you know, remember once upon a time, though, uh, in the 50s, there was a submassive Southern Conference, and the Southern Conference lived on. It's hard, hard to kill a conference, they say. Uh, but the SEC schools went one way, and the ACC schools and the conference went another. So – we've been through sort of a great realignment before. This is going to be massive, sort of like that. Um, and so if you're trying to put together a super conference and you're Greg Sankey, uh, you're not so much worried about, you know, oh, Clemson brings the Greenville market or we're duplicating in the Greenville market. No, you look at it and go, well, they've won, you know, this many national championships. Everybody in the country recognizes that program. Uh, how great would it be? What kind of ratings can we get if Clemson played, you know, at LSU during the regular season uh, every other year or Clemson plays Texas or, you know, those kind of matchups. They go over the mountains and play Tennessee, something like that. I mean, you know, those are intriguing matchups to college football fans everywhere. 
uh, and that helps enhance, you know, your your brand and your um, your value to, to the TV networks. And that's what's driving the whole thing is television value. Um, and I think, quite frankly, Fox and ESPN are, are both sort of creating it because uh, if you think about the playoff era in college football, which has coincided with uh, the era, the part of the Alabama dynasty that we're in, uh, it's gotten a little stale. And people were like, well, the same teams won it before. Well, no, nah, we've never lived through anything like Alabama right now. Um, this is the – John Wooden era uh, of UCLA basketball we're in. And I don't know UCLA or, or, or Southern Cal baseball when they won it over and over again. Um, it's harder to win it now, uh, especially in the SEC. So they, they're not going to win it every year, but they play for it most years, and they've certainly won their share. And, and this is the biggest dynasty, I think, in the history of the sport we're living through. So the sport's gotten a little stale. <laughs> How do you shake it up? I mean, we're going on, you know, it used to be the Citrus Bowl was a big deal. And people are the playoffs killed the Bulls. Well, I don't know about that. Is it the playoffs or is it the fact, hey, guess what? An SEC team's been going to Orlando for that bowl game for 30 something years now, maybe close to 40. Every fan base just about's been down there, except Bandy, I think. You know. Don't 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 you think you know like Gamecock fans? They've been to the Outback Bowl five times. Uh, each time the crowd has gotten smaller and smaller. There were more people at the Outback Bowl in 08 versus Iowa uh, than there was uh, against uh, Michigan in the um, 2017 year. And uh, 2017 was kind of a uh, it was a, there was a big gap, uh, almost a 10 year gap. Play well. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. There was another Michigan game. <laughs> How could I forget that one? The 2012 uh, in the Outback Bowl, the hit. But uh, okay, so the but the crowd in 2017, second year of a head coach, tripled the win total. And and, and I'm not getting into the Muschamp thing. That's not I'm not defending him. I'm saying the situation at the time was, you know, triple the win total. I have a chance, or at least you're at eight. You have some exciting players. Jake Bentley, second year quarterback. They had fired Kurt Roper. So everybody, the guy everybody's mad at has gone. So uh, I look at it, and you know the crowd was sparse. And, and the re- one of the big reasons, South Carolina's been to the Outback Bowl over and over and over again. Time flies, you know. So even though it was you know twice in a decade, it still seems like a lot. And every year, the same schools go to the same bowls. You know, I credit Greg Sankey for uh, hooking the SEC up with the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, I think that's a, a, a good start, I, you, know, uh, you know, diversify. Uh, and if you look at it, you know, I would anticipate South Carolina brings a pretty good crowd to Arkansas this year, just like they did in 18 against Ole Miss. When you play teams and you go to stadiums you haven't been to in a while, the interest is there if you go every year, blah. And I think we're going on 30 years now since the, you know, the bowl alliance and then SEC expansion and all that where – it's the same thing over and there's a lot of monotony. And then when you don't have a variety of teams winning at all, it does get a little stale. It's still the greatest sport in the world to millions of people. It hasn't lost popularity, but it's getting so, you know, a shakeup could be in order. And if I'm, if, if I'm looking at it strictly from television as a television product, you know, that's the direction that I'm going. 
I'll tell you the direction that uh, you need to go if you're moving back to the upstate is uh, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Whoever out there, I've heard that uh, was moving to Granville and took advantage of Cindy and her services. Uh, number one, I hope you told her that you, you heard about her on the Inside the Gamecast podcast. You know, number two, uh, thank you. Thank you so much because this uh, you're not going to have a lot of advertising uh, if the advertiser doesn't get some business, at least a little, uh, drummed up. So uh, that, that really made me happy when I heard that, that uh, people had listened and, take, you know, taken advantage of her services. Uh, Cindy has been in the upstate for more than 35 years, married to a diehard Gamecock fan, can help you with any of your real estate needs. 864-414-5271 or C. Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at C-B-K, C-B-C-A-I-N-E dot com. That's Cindy, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane Realtor, my hometown of Spartanburg, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue. Uh, she's got an app. She's got a website. She's got listings. Uh, real estate's been kind of crazy the last couple of years, but I know a lot of people, too, if you live uh, in certain states, uh, you're trying to get back home. Or even if you're in, in any state of South Carolina, people are trying to get back home. Uh, the upstate's a great place to settle, uh, and Cindy can help you right there. Proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecast podcast. All right, so we're shifting gears now to the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And I'll tell you about iHelp Consulting in a minute. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I want to mention the Tony Pope State Farm Insurance, too, here in a little bit, too. Uh, but uh, there's two ways to get in. First of all, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, if you're not following this Twitter account and, and you want to stream the live show, this is a uh, this is a way you can do it on Twitter. Uh, I think we'll also have YouTube, maybe Facebook, where we uh, stream it out as well. And then, of course, it'll be available in podcast format each and every day after we're done. Uh, so follow that. But uh, we do the mailbag through Twitter sometimes, or part of it, and it's. Uh, it's at the Big Spur Pod, and you can tweet at me, and then inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is the inbox, uh, which, by the way, the inbox is different than the mailbag. So the inbox can be up for, for sponsorship if you're out there uh, and need to uh, do some advertising with me. Just hit me up inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. First one in from Golf Cox. And this was before Braswell committed. He said, I'm starting to get concerned with our running back recruiting. Have you any concerns or questions? Um, well, you know, they got Braswell in. Obviously, he was playing some games with the staff. Uh, I think it's a good start. You know, I would be lying to you uh, if I told you that, you know, Montero Hardesty didn't need that in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's not like the days of the running backs coach going out, being this uber recruiter and, 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 and signing five, six guys at all these different positions, uh, those days are kind of in the past. Because especially at South Carolina now, and a lot of other programs do this too, because you have such a, a robust internal recruiting operation. Uh, and if your head coach is heavily involved, he's involved. Uh, and under the game cost, like the, the coordinator's position coach, all that. Um, so your area coach isn't as uh, – I guess important as he once was. How about that? In terms of, they kind of do the initial groundwork and, 
if they have a previous relationship, they're working them. But it's normally it's the position coach that takes the lead at Carolina. So, you know, you're rarely going to sign more than two running backs in a class anyway. Uh, so with Hardesty, he uh, I, I'd be lying if I said he didn't need it. Now, if they hadn't gotten Braswell, is there a reason to worry about running back recruiting? No. Uh, and I think the reason for that is the, the transfer portal. I mean, you you kind of have another chance there. And and people, I think, portal is something people are going to have to get used to, uh, evaluators included. You know, they don't really count it a whole lot. You know, sometimes people are just desperation. Dabo Sweeney says, I'm not doing my job at the portal. That's, that's just not true these days. You know, you're not doing your job if you don't. Um. And so that position has benefited. It's still benefiting from really good recruiting Thomas Brown did as one year he was there. Uh, it's benefiting from the transfer board. And that's just kind of uh, the way it is uh, when it comes down to that. And, oh, Des Kitchings, too, because he got Juju McDowell. But, um, you know, so so there's that there, you know. And, and I think Braswell and obviously Golf Cox, you said this in before Braswell committed, so that's um, – that's uh that's fine and so uh you know i wonder how you feel now about it. uh cosmo davis says jc could you review the difference in perks and activities that are involved in official versus unofficial visits uh official visits are kind of a wine and dine thing because the school can pay for everything for player comp parents you know they eat at nice restaurants. They have activities, all that good stuff. Whereas an unofficial is just kind of come in here, see the facilities. We'll give you a tour, you know, and then they'll have food for the players there too. They just, you have to pay five bucks or something to get it. Um, they have like a buffet for the recruits of the games and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, it's basically on an official visit. The school could do whatever it wants to roll out the red carpet within reason. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's the there's the deal there. Um, so that that's just the difference. Of, whoa, gosh, why am I yawning? Um, sorry, excuse me. Gosh, embarrassing. Uh, so there's the difference between you know if official unofficial visits uh, is what the university and the program can do uh, to make it first class. Game got fan three, JC. I'm pretty sure Reno is a silent commit. You were right. He committed to the Gamecocks, though, and I'm catching up on these folks. Regardless, can we talk about the importance of him or the quarterback in general committing early and helping recruit for the class? Yeah, and Dante seems like the type of guy that's going to help with that. I also think the Gamecocks getting uh, Amazio Bennett, a Josiah Thompson, a Cam Pringle in the boat early for 2024 – would really jumpstart it because, I mean, you're talking about two elite tackles. You're talking about an in-state receiver. You're talking about a four-star quarterback. I mean, I uh, – and he's involved a lot. I mean, his dad's the head coach at Yale, so you know he knows the game and, and all that good stuff. So, I would uh, I would go, you know, uh, go with that and, and say you're absolutely right, uh, especially getting a quarterback in early. That That does help with recruiting and all that, because sometimes people want to go follow quarterbacks they play with. I I would like for my friends in the evaluation business to take a little look, closer look at Dante Reno, right? Because uh, I think he's got a big arm and, and people are sleeping on him a little bit right now. But that's the problem you have when you uh, rate guys way too early, which they do. 
football shouldn't be that. Because football at the earliest needs to be, you know, initial rankings January after their junior year. Because you, you used to, we used to do it in June after their junior year, and that's that's tough now with all the early commits and stuff like that. So I would do January, you know, and uh, give everybody individual star ratings and a baseline if they commit to begin with. Uh, and then you go in and look at their junior film and go. I guarantee you, you would see a lot different rankings, folks. A lot different rankings than you do now. Uh, because people don't like to be wrong, no matter how dang early it is and how wide the delta is. They don't like to be wrong. So they're hesitant to move guys down. And when guys don't move down, what does that cause? It causes a top 35 player to be ranked 75th because you don't want to, you know, let go of your – you know, guys you thought were good as freshmen because you want to be right. And look, if I were doing it that early, I'd probably be guilty of that. I'm not saying they're bad people or anything like that. I'm just saying we don't have any – we don't have a good plan as far as evaluating recruits these days. We've got evaluators out there. They're still around, but uh, I have a good plan. Game got past her. I'm trying not to get overly optimistic, but I'm dying for the reveal of these welcome homes. They've all been revealed, by the way, since he sent us in. Uh, Reno in. Webb never was coming. NIL deal. Shadevi uh, and Bradley. Gamecocks are in the top two. Top two. Uh, Five-star out of Missouri. So here we go. Golf carts. What do you golf carts? What do you think about Lonergan pushing this commitment back after his visit to Stanford? Stanford's not really that much in it. Uh, the only reason he pushed it back was because he wants to do it on CBS Sports HQ. Obviously, CBS Sports is uh, who we are affiliated with on the BigSport.com and twenty four seven Sports, so we're clued in on that. So that's why. JC, can you comment on what Ray and Casey said about this season and next with Burgess and now Bosnick transferred? Seems like that's telling on the head coach and the overall state of the program. Uh, well, Bosnick, uh, from what I'm told, you know, they didn't want to – it was really their choice. Uh, didn't want to waste another scholarship on a guy they didn't think it could healthy. You know, Burgess is one of those situations that, you know, I, I think he probably he, he probably wanted a fresh start. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I've mentioned what I thought about the program. I, I think they're going to have to really, really, really – Hit it out of the park in the portal uh, to get back to compete to get back to you know an acceptable season, and I don't I don't think an acceptable season is just merely competitive. You know this program. I mean, it, it, you know, and I was disappointed in Tanner's comments where he says, "Oh, we beat Ole Miss and they just won it all." Blah, blah. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, what matters is lo- losing record for the first time uh, in forever. That's unacceptable at South Carolina. It's even more unacceptable when you also hold uh, the worst SEC record the Gamecocks program has ever had two years ago. You know, uh, this is not a job where you just go in and, you know, build it for six years. I mean, that's never the plan. Never the plan. So I, uh, I just – I really wasn't a fan of any of that. I've been told different things about whose call it was exactly – and let me just tell you, uh, just pray that it was not the Board of Trustees <laughs> because that would, uh, on a heaping pile of a loser Sunday for a lot of those folks, uh, doing that while Clemson goes and hires who Clemson does, while Florida State, 
you know, fired the son of a legend uh, to go get Lee Jarrett. You know, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I think that, uh, uh, you know, it's just disappointing if it were the board of trustees. If it's just Ray standing pat trying to be fair, then, well, hey, there's a reason a lot of people criticize Ray Tanner. Um, and he's, you know, he, he – I'm not going to – he didn't stick with Frank Martin. He stuck with Will Muschamp, and I'm glad he did in hindsight. But at the t- but you can't really say he stuck with him and, and, and Will turned the program around. You, you can just say that, well, that they didn't fall apart, and he left Beamer in a pretty good situation. But that's it. I mean, it's not like Tanner foresaw the success. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'd love for Mark Kingston to – have a huge year and go to Omaha. I do think his assistant coaches are good, you know, but like I said, to get, to get close to even where anybody wants to be, they're going to have to head out of the park of the portal. Um, there's a chance they can do that, but who knows. Game guy pastor. Now this is before July 1st. What's the biggest move the university needs to make with regard to NIL as of July 1st, something immediate. So they could take all 365 days of the suspended law. No, um, they're doing what they need to do. Uh, there's, um, you know, the first thing, and, and this, these, this is the struggle I've had with Carolina Rise, uh, is attracting your commonplace NIL deals. Because, you know, not, not an agent, not a promotional expert, you know, Carolina Rise, if you're a business, uh, it, it's more about getting into a rotation where our group of players that we pay um, – can help you do promotion on social media. You know, if you want them in a commercial or something like that, you, you got to pay them extra, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and look, I, I know, you know, most of the business people I know uh, around Columbia and the state, they're, you know, fans of my website or whatever. And, and, and it's not always a fit. I know like a lot of lawyers and, you know, they're not lawyers that you need to advertise for. Um, they got money, they're willing to join the collective, but that's, uh, that's the deal. So the first thing the university did was start the Gamecock exchange, which, you know, the South Carolina, you know, they've been chasing ad dollars. They've been going out and trying to get everything marketed, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I think that was positive, you know, connect the power of the university and, and, and their advertising ventures and sponsorship ventures with the players directly. Wow. So, um, so that's good with there. Um, you know, and so that's what they did. You know, I, I think number two, and this is not the university, this is uh, all of us here, raise money. <laughs> Make money. I mean, they haven't talked about, you know, with Carolina Rise, I, I give you guys updates on, on the Big Spur or wherever. Uh, the, the amount pales in comparison to somebody else. But with something like a collective, it's going to take time because you're taking monthly pledges, blah, 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 blah. And I can assure you what we've done with Carolina so far has already had a, had a nice impact. I'm not going to say a major impact, but a nice impact you know, in terms of players. But, um, you know, raise money. I mean, you, you know, you, you guys know anybody that loves the Gamecocks that has disposable income. You know, maybe they have a charity that they, that they want to get behind if, if their business isn't necessarily something that, you know, you can um, – you know, you, you can promote or you need to promote, you know, heck, we can have the student athlete promote the charity of your choice. 
uh, or whatever. You know, you, you can put in a bunch of money and uh, I can have the, 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 the player uh, send you a video for every member of your immediate family for their birthday, you know, depending on how much you come in for. So that's uh, if you know anybody with disposable income that love the game Cox, giving to a collective, not just mine, but uh, U.S., you know, the USC NIL department, uh, Garnet Trust, uh, any of those. That's the most important thing anybody that's a member of Gamecock Nation can do. The other thing about it is, too, like I said, the university's better equipped at going and recruiting those types of, of donors. Um, with Carolina Rise, we're, we're going to continue to sell gear. We're going to continue to raise uh, dollar amounts, take care of our members, you know, that are members of the collective, uh, and also take care of some players. I mean, that, that's just uh, – you, you need everybody. Um, and I had a really nice meeting in Columbia last week about that with some folks. So that was, uh, that was good. Uh, but no, you know, it, it, NIL game got faster. They're doing exactly what they need to do at this point. Dave, with all the high level coaching moves, the transport transport portal doing what it is doing. Is this the most anticipated season ever? I don't know because it's not, it's not been about, you know, I mean, well, well, hold on. Are you talking about South Carolina? Uh, I think it's a relatively, you know, most of the fans I've dealt with with Gamecocks are like hesitant because, I mean, it, it's been a while. Uh, been through a lot, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's much more, you know, I mean, I think last year with Shane Beamer, people are kind of curious, you know, what's the offense going, what are the schemes, that kind of thing. I think now people are curious about, you know, what's Spencer Rattler going to look like? What's this kid going to look like? You got a lot of new players, you know, and hopefully some improvement. Um, overall, I don't know. I, I kind of think that the uh, the national champion in uh, 2022 will, will not be a big surprise. I, I think that you're looking at Alabama and Ohio State and, you know, maybe just maybe during one of their final runs through the Pac-12, uh, with Lincoln Riley, the, the USC Trojans will be a dark horse. And I don't say that because, you know, oh, my God, the Lincoln Riley factor or whatever. Uh, but I think he'll have better players across the board. Uh, and, and I think, you know, maybe not this year, but down the road, he'll have better defense at Southern Cal than he did at uh, Oklahoma. I mean, but they got a lot of good players. I mean, a lot through the portal. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, you know, a lot through the portal. But – I can see them making a run. Um, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm at Notre Dame right now with the number one recruiting class in the country. You know, I don't want to get ahead of it because those guys aren't playing. You know, A&M's looking forward. I mean, I think A&M is probably a lot like North Carolina was last year. I don't think they're going to go six and six or six and seven. But I think last year's North Carolina defense, when you look at it, a lot of guys on that defense are going to play in the NFL. Not a very good defense probably a year away, and that, that's the problem when people just assume, oh, it's top ten recruiting class, which was assumed. So uh, that's the deal there. But I don't know. I, I was There's been other off-seasons where I felt the anticipation, you know, was a little higher. Even last year when Clemson was playing Georgia, you know, because, you know, I just think this year Alabama returns too much to lose it. They lost it last year and say, but doesn't usually lose it two years in a row. How about that? 
Uh, pastor comes again, heard from outside the program. They expect Carolina to be much improved, but unsure if they uh, translate the wins on the schedule. If they finish seven and six again, but the offense is vastly improved, what will the narrative be in January? Yeah, I don't know. I need to see him play. So much depends, Pastor, on who's gotten better and who's the same old guy. Now, there are players that have gotten better in practice because my job is to report about practice and things like that, but who's the same old guy? That's the thing. So it would depend on what kind of seven and six. You're talking seven and six, highly competitive, heartbreaking games, uh, kind of like 09 that set the table for 010. Yeah, you know, I think people will be fine. Uh, golf Cox, JC, we didn't get Harvey, but what he said was awesome and telling we can look to. Uh, telling what we can look to. The last two schools are the programs that get a 10 rating for me. You can't talk about South Carolina, North Carolina. I could recommend any recruit to go see what those schools are building. It is something special, truly. I would watch this too. Uh, watch this situation. If let's say North Carolina is not as good again this year, Mac hangs it up. You know, barring some sort of crazy NIL deal, uh, Gamecocks did make quite an impression on them. Ah, my Philly is talking about uh, a J.C. Morgan pod that's coming. Ken says lots of shifting in the college football landscape. Are we heading towards an NFL style NFL style setup when it comes to conferences? In your opinion, SEC becoming the East, Big Ten becoming the West. I, I think it'd be more North South. You know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate seeing it. You know, I, I could see the SEC, you know, adding schools in North Carolina, Virginia, maybe Clemson, uh, and then maybe even like an Arizona out there, or something like that, Oklahoma State, maybe. Um, you know, but I, I, I have kind of scoffed at the t- the two team super conference thing until now, but. I, I I honestly think that um, that uh, I honestly think the TV networks are driving it, and that's what they want. They want major college football to do its own thing, you know, because it's that valuable of an asset. All right, so here we go. Oh, by the way, Ohio State. You know, people talk about competing with them. Uh, attendance for this uh, NIL event with the foundation. Um, there are two head coaches and CJ Stroud, $1,000 to get in hmm. to raise money. Ohio State, well, you know, that kind of thing. No. So, anyway. Um, and then JS, Jay Sammons responds to golf Cox and says it's not good that he, that Lonergan pushed his commitment back. That's not true. He pushed it back to be on TV. Uh, like I said, I don't, yeah, there, there's some in Lonergan's camp that want him to go to Bama and, um, you know, that's what the deal is there. And that does all of our Twitter. There's all our Twitter things. Uh, so I'm going back in the in the inbox inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. I uh, promised I would tell you about iHelp Consulting, my friend Daniel Owens. He is a, uh, a good guy. And if you're a business owner, you want to save time and money, 
and I help consulting can help you. I help as a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And if I help can't save you any money, you don't pay them a thing. That's right. If you look at it, can't do it. Not uh, not going to pay you. I'm not going to have to pay him a thing. Um, so give him a call. Daniel Owens, 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelpConsulting. How can I help you? Sorry for dragging today, folks. I don't know what happened. I was up, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, getting things done. Going to the gym later. Had a good workout yesterday. And I, I get up here and I'm... Man, getting a little sleepy. Not going to get to all the mailbag questions today either, by the way. Um, so Joseph had a question before Arch Manning went to Texas. Uh, and he asked, is Arch going, if Arch goes to Georgia, Bama gets Lonergan, uh, do you think Stockton enters the transfer portal? And would Carolina try to make a run at him? Yeah, heading on to Georgia, that, I think that would have happened, Joseph. Uh, by the way, thanks for joining Carolina Rise. I noticed you did that. I put your koozie in the mail, or I'm um, sorry, your car magnet in the mail uh, the other day. Joseph from Sparkle City, Spartanburg. Uh, Sean says, I've noticed with Carolina's returning quarterbacks, Braden Davis and Tanner Bailey all already enrolled and adding Lonergan and Reno has me thinking South Carolina could break public perception uh, and become a legit threat for a playoff in five years. Not saying they become a traditional blue blood, but a program that talking pundits don't dismiss as the fan crazy program nobody takes serious. Uh, side note, I take back all my Satterfield criticism about the play calling. If he keeps bringing in blue chip quarterbacks, talent trumps all. That's true. Uh, I think the criticism of him were legit. Uh, I'm going to back off and, and not say anything this year because I, I kind of look philosophically at, at what he likes to do. I don't like it. Uh, I think I think in college ball, you, you can't get too complex. You can't have your linemen going horizontal a bunch. It's just not a lot of – you know, the defensive – and especially in this league, the, the defensive line talent's so good. You know, I, I, I think they put too many people in the same spots on the field, that kind of thing. However, uh, you got two really good tight ends that most people have ranked among the top tight, two tight ends in the country. Bell's kind of a wide back. They got a quarterback that's really good. You got running backs that are good. Let's see what he can do. And uh, I can't argue with how he's recruiting. Whatever he's telling these recruits is working. Uh, so that's good, too. And we'll see if he gets Lonergan. I, I don't know. You know, we'll see if he gets Lonergan. Um, Hall says, you'll get this question multiple times. Uh, Hall from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Chris. Uh, but what exactly does Arch Manning committing to Texas have to do with Bill Lonergan? Is it Bama or should we be worried about UGA? Bama. That, that's who we worried about. But I, I don't think Arch was going to Bama once they got Eli Holstein. So Jordan Cooper. Nah. Whoa. Yeah, this guy. Okay, so. I'm not reading anything from this guy. Uh, and Jordan, please stop contacting this uh, inbox if you don't mind, buddy. Um, just can't uh, 
can't deal with stuff like that. Um, all right, Adam, I'm going to just now get your email. I'm responding to you soon. Uh, this guy's asking, Chris, send me another question because we know who the, uh, the third welcome home is Belmont Gamecock. Uh, I'll, I'll get to yours next time. It's long, but I will say there's a JC and Morgan coming up later. Uh, Rob comes in. That's a good question right there. Uh, Joseph, I kind of agree with you there about the best recruiter on the staff right now. When you look at uh, the quarterback recruiting, he said so far in the Beamer era, uh, is it overstated to say Satterfield's the best quarterback recruiter that South Carolina's had since joining the SEC? Uh, you know, it, it, we'll have to see how these guys turn out. Uh, but on paper, it looks that way. I, I thought Skip Holtz did a really good job, quarterback, at the time he was there. Uh, I think G.A. Mangus ran into some bad luck, and there was some conflict between what exactly South Carolina's philosophy was because G.A.'s offense is different than Spurrier's. Although it's got Spurs passing game, he needs a running quarterback to make his things go. So you got your Nasoviches and your McElroy, McElroy, I'm sorry, McElroy's, uh, and even Brandon McElway later on. Guys like that who, if GA had been running the show, I think they would have all been fine. Uh, you know, and then, but then Spur wanted more of a Connor Mitch type or a uh, Dylan Thompson or a Michael Skarnakia. Uh, that caused them to miss out on Mason Rudolph. I mean, it it, it was more that. I, I don't – you know, people come down on GA about his quarterback recruiting, and, and I agree there were a lot of busts, but um, I don't know that they were necessarily busts for his offense. How about that? How about that? And he has a track record of developing them. So thanks, Joseph, from Sparkle City, my man. All right, so, so you other guys, I'll get to your questions next episode. I'll just do another one tomorrow, but anyway, that'll be fine because i got to get to Mike here in 19 minutes and go splash cold, cold water on my face. All right, thanks again to all the sponsors, listeners, Gamecock fans out there. You guys are great. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle. Uh, again, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Go follow that Twitter account. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Inside the Gamecocks uh, or email us uh, right here. The iHelp Consulting mailbag happens every single episode inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. This is JC Sherbert. I hope everybody enjoys their Thursday. We'll be back soon. Tomorrow's Friday, so maybe tomorrow. Maybe not. <laughs> Probably tomorrow, though. Uh, and uh, I hope all of you are well as we plow through. Uh, the final stretch of dog days, SEC media days, gosh, they're coming up in less than two weeks, right? So we'll have lots to talk about uh, from here on up through preseason practice and kickoff and all that. Don't miss the JC and Morgan later if you want some uh, – his perspective and more of mine on, on this realign. I'm, I'm not even calling it a conference expansion. I'm just going to realign it. That's what it is. Um and we'll talk about that. I'm curious to hear what Mike has to say. Lucky Joker went to Mexico uh, with his new wife during the 4th of July. Really cool place. Got to hang out in uh, one of Pablo Escobar's old houses, which I think is really, really cool. I, I told Mike, I said, that's the, that's the most pimp thing you've ever done, and that's saying something. <laughs> anyway, looking forward to getting on him with him in about 18 minutes. I'm going to go try and clean this up and upload it before we get there. J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast.